Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, I... I, I want, I'm not going to talk about you because I don't really know where you are at in your prayer life, but I know where I'm at. And I, I find prayer to be a daily struggle. I know I need to pray. I'm, I, I feel like I have a deeper relationship with Jesus 30 years later after I've come to Christ, but I know that prayer isn't easy anymore. It's not like you get to a place where it's easy. So don't ever think, man, how, will I ever overcome this struggle it, it's still a struggle. And one of the things that I'm learning in prayer is that I got to keep at it. And so when I read passages like James, where it talks about the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, and then he goes and uses Elijah as really an illustration of that and says these words that Elijah was just like you and I. Well, what do you mean? Because I struggle. I wrestle. What does that mean? So that's why we're doing this series. We're doing this series, The School of Prayer, Lessons from Elijah, so that we can learn some things about prayer for you and I. And today we're going to learn about expectancy, about expecting something. What does that have to do with anything, George? Well, do you remember when Jesus said about, suffer not the children to come unto me, you know, because the disciples wanted to keep the kids away? You ever been like that? I knew when I grew up in my home, you know, I grew up, my dad was from the Carolinas, and the adults would eat in a room, and then the kids would be out eating somewhere else. So they kind of kept the kids away out of the adult conversation. You ever remember situations like that? That's the way it was in the home where I grew up. But Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus was really, to be honest with you, let the kids come. And here's why he said, for such is the kingdom of God. He was kind of saying to us that we need to be like little kids. Now, now, I have, I have four kids. They're a little bit older now. They're not like this anymore. But I remember, like, they had a belief and a trust in mom and dad that they expected us to be able to do anything. Do you remember your kids when they had the expectation? That they expected you to just be able to do whatever. They thought you had endless supplies of money. Isn't that true? And so when they came to you with their concern or their broken toy or whatever... They just thought the, the moon was hung by you and you could do whatever. They just had an, ex, an expectation that my mom, my dad's going to solve this problem. Isn't that right? Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like that. Now, wait a minute now. Let's stop for a moment. Let's be realistic. Because when I look at my walk with God and I look at my prayer life, I don't have the expectation of a child. You and I don't have the expectation of children anymore. Why is it? Well, because kind of like kids, when kids get older, their view of mom and dad changes because mom and dad can't do everything, right? And so then they quit asking. And so we get that way with God. When he doesn't answer us every time the, the way we want him to, we get to the final point. It's like, what's the use? What's the use? Here's what I want to say. The reason why we struggle with expectancy in our prayer life is because there's a missing component. 
So let's talk about what's missing in our lives, the missing component. Here's the thing. We allow our misunderstandings about God to guide our prayers. Whether you know it or not, your prayer life is a reflection of your understanding of God. I'm going to say that again. Your prayer life is a reflection of your understanding of God. And if you have a misunderstanding of God, it's going to guide your prayer life. So for instance, some of you here have this misunderstanding. You have a misunderstanding about God in which you view God as somebody who is out to get you. He is out to remind you of all of your failures. He's out to punish you because of your failures. And he's out to make your life miserable. You say, that's not possible? Is there actually people who are like that? Yeah, you'd be surprised. Maybe not overtly, but suddenly they're influenced by that. And here's what happens. When you talk about somebody who's thinking that way and has that kind of understanding about God, if you were to talk to them about their prayer life, don't be shocked when they say to you, number one, I don't pray, or number two, I'm always fearful when I pray. And number three, I don't expect anything because they think they've messed up. They think they've messed up to the point where God, God's out to get them. See, your misunderstanding of God guides you in your prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your prayer is a reflection of your understanding of God. And if you have a misunderstanding about God and you have a misunderstanding about what he wants to do for your life, it's going to guide your prayers. So for instance, if your understanding of God is that he's the big sugar daddy, he's the big Santa Claus in the sky, you just need to ask him the right way, the right way, which may mean standing on your head with your left hand up high, shaking your right leg, asking him for something to get his attention, that's going to guide your prayers. Do you understand? We are guided by our misunderstanding of prayer. We're our misunderstanding of who God is. Let me just go ahead and tell you right now, God's not a sugar daddy. He's not just here to give you everything you want. He's concerned about you as a person. And we need to grasp that. What do you mean? Like, for instance, I'm a dad. I, but I don't give my kids everything. First of all, I can't. Well, God can, but I can't. And the reason why, not just because I can't, but because sometimes... Giving them everything isn't necessarily the best thing, is it, for them? He wants to do, help them to develop into the people that they need to be because I'm not always going to be around. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's always going to be around, but see, he's got a, he's got a bigger perspective. We need to understand that. So, so we allow our misunderstandings about God to guide our prayers. Here's, here's the other thing. What's missing from our prayers is an expectation of God doing anything. Look, let's just stop. Because we're in church. And when you come to church, there's, there's this assumed level of spirituality. And with the assumed level of spirituality, when it comes to truths about God, we, we all utter them. We utter them verbally, but we don't necessarily mean them heart-wise. What do you mean by that? Well, we would all say, hey, God can do anything. God can do anything. Everybody would be like, amen, yeah, God can do anything. Out in public, in a gathering. But how many of you in the quietness of your heart when you're at home, I don't know if you can do that, God. You didn't do this last thing. I don't know that you can handle this situation. 
We may not say that out loud because we've been Christianized enough to not verbalize it, but subconsciously we don't have an expectation. Do you understand what I'm saying? We, we are, what's missing from our prayers is that childlike faith in daddy. What's missing from our prayers is expecting him to do something because we're guided by our misunderstandings. Interesting verse of scripture. Hebrews chapter 11. It's the great faith chapter. I would encourage you to read it anyhow. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. This, is, this has been a key verse for me lately. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. You want to understand what, God, what pleases God is you trusting in him. Bottom line. You trusting and having faith in him. That's going to please God. Let's stop for a moment. Look what it says. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me say that again. You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's trust. That's trust. So for instance, Brad and I have known each other since I've been here, 16 years. I've known Brad 16 years, and let's say in those 16 years, Brad and I may have a friendship, but I know that I can't, ex- I, sh- I shouldn't expect anything from Br- Brad because Brad doesn't help anybody. Now, that's not true. Brad helps everybody, okay? But let's say to, let's say to Brad is just a tight wad prude. You've got friends like that. I've got friends like that. I'm just saying Brad's like that right now. And let's say I'm facing a situation. I need some advice or I need some help with something. Am I going to go to Brad and ask him to help me because he's a tightwad prude? No, I'm not going to. Why? Because I'm not expecting anything. If anything, I'm, oh, I do have an expectation. I expect him to criticize what I'm doing, to be negative about what I'm doing. Do you know, you know what I'm saying? Let's stop for a moment. A lot of you are that way about God. You have no expectation of the living God of the universe who sent his son to die for you so that you could once again have a relationship with him. You have no expectation of him doing anything because you've got a wrong concept of him. See, what's missing from our prayers is the people who should know him better, the people who he saved, the people who he forgave, the people who he gave his son for because he loved you should have an expectation that somebody who cares for you that much is going to care about what's going on in your daily life and he's going to be there for you, whatever that means. We don't have an expectation. No expectation. And let's just stop for a moment. Let, let's, let's just quit. Let's be real. In your heart right now, I'm even saying this. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Let's just be real. That's where we're living. But we can't tell you that out loud because that ain't Christian. Folks, that's hypocritical to act one way when on the inside we're somewhere else, right? Isn't that hypocrisy? The reality is what's missing from our prayers is expectation. So you say, okay, George, wow, you got me ready for the school. What's Elijah going to teach us? Well, we're going to look at Elijah's life and see an expected person. Look with me. It's just a few short verses, verse 41 to 46. 1 Kings 18. Now remember, let me set the setting for you. They just had the confrontation on Mount Carmel. God came down, his fire came down and consumed the offering 450 prophets of Baal were wiped out, killed. 
because the people recognized who God is. There was a great victory. Now verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go and eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked, and he said, There's nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There's a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that as the skies became black with clouds and wind, there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. All right, let's take a look at this. We're going to see six things here about expectant prayer. First thing I want you to notice is this. Now remember, there's been a famine in the land. Are you ready for this? There's been no rain. There's been a famine for three years. Three years. You get to verse 41. Look at what Elijah now, after the confrontation takes place, look at what Elijah says to Ahab. Verse 41. He says, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Stop for a moment. What in the world is he talking about? There's a famine. Nothing's happening. What's going on here? Here's the first point I want you to see from the school of prayer. There is a trust in faith that God is going to do something. That's what's going on here. It's not raining yet. There's nothing on the horizon. But there's a trust that God is going to do something. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Part of our problem with misunderstanding God is that we have already decided how God should work. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have already decided how God should work in our situation and in our problem. And what happens is, is that when he doesn't do it exactly the way we want him to do it, we get disappointed. And sometimes we get angry and we toss and we say, that's it, I'm out of here, God. But listen, can I be honest with you? We need to get, we need to get a grip on it. Like, okay, you know what? All of us here have parents. Maybe they're still alive, maybe they're not here anymore. But did your mom and dad do everything you wanted them to do? Now, you had, you had an expectation that they would help you, right? They, they would guide you, they would do whatever. But sometimes their choices of what needed to be done were different from what you expected. I was just, you know, yesterday I was, some of our young people, Lori's there today, is at a youth retreat down in Climber, PA. And they asked me to come down and share my story their, their, their weekend, the theme is identity in Christ. So they asked me to come down, and I shared a little story with them. I, I, I won't make the point that I made with them. I'll just bring the story up because it fits with what I'm talking about right now. I can remember when I was 16 years old, and I got my driver's license. So this is 1982. 16-year-old, got my driver's license. My daddy said to me, hey, we're going to get you a vehicle. Now, that's what a 16-year-old boy wants to hear. 
he's going to get a vehicle. Now, George was thinking, because I was already looking, a 1976 Chevy Nova. So I'm thinking a 1976 Chevy Nova. So I'm thinking, yeah, dad's going to get me the vehicle. He knows I'm looking. Okay, he's going to get me the vehicle. So I went to school that day. Came back that day, and I said, Mom, Mom, Mom where, where's Daddy? Oh, he's out getting your vehicle. He'll be back soon. Oh, all right. <laughs> he came back. I'm waiting in the, in the study, the den. And uh, he said, it's outside. And he said, here's the key. So he threw me this key, and it was like, now, it wasn't a Chevy key. Now, I should have known something because it wasn't. It was kind of a weird key. And I looked out the door, and I about died. It was a 1975 Jeep. Oh, that's pretty cool. No, no. Jeep also made other kinds of Jeeps. It was a 1975 male Jeep with all the arms sticking off of it, with, uh, with the mirrors and stuff, and the doors that slid, and little dinky government tires on it. And it was no longer painted like a mail truck, but they had painted it this ugly beige, builder's beige color. And he said, there you go. And he spent the amount of money he spent on that thing was the amount of money he could have bought a Nova for. Now, do you think I was disappointed? Yes. I got lots of stories, but I'm not going to spend there with that, with that Jeep. But my point is, listen, was he still my dad? Do you understand what I'm saying? Did I just decide I'm out of there? Daddy didn't give me the Nova I wanted. Did you, but I still had expectations of my daddy doing something. Do you understand? We've got to get a grip. God's not always going to do the way we want it. Now, stop for a moment. God's not like my daddy either. So he's not going to give you a male Jeep. The point is, is that I want you to see here is there has to be a trust that God's going to do something. Look, folks, you've got to move ahead in your prayer life. You've got to expect God to answer you somehow. Now, it's not necessarily going to be the way you want him to answer it. Not necessarily going to be the way you want him to answer it. Here's the second thing. Look at verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, And he bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. What's going on there? Faith in God must express itself in prayer. Here's the reality. You don't pray, you have no expectancy. I'm just going to say it right now. You don't pray, you have no expectancy. Don't tell me you're expecting God to do anything if you don't pray. Because if you pray, if you have an expectancy of God working out your situation, you're going to be talking to God about it. Do you understand? So he says, there's going to be rain. There's no rain. What does he do? He goes up on the top of the mountain and he prays. Why? Because he's expecting God to do something. So that's going to guide him in his prayer. Listen to me. You don't pray because you don't expect God to do anything. But if you know that whatever it may be, it may not be necessarily what you want, but God's going to be there and he's going to guide you through whatever you're going through. He's going to hear you. You're going to pray. Here's the third thing. Even with faith, prayer can be exhausting. What does he do? He gets up there, he prays. Look, folks, when it describes him of sitting on the ground with his head between his knees, what does that mean? The man is exhausted, but he's still praying. Here's the thing about us. Here's the thing about George. I give up too easily. 
Because I expect answers like I expect to get my order at McDonald's. Move from the payment window to the pickup window. Why aren't you handing it to me? And please don't tell me to move forward. And you better have my order right. That's where we're at today. We expect things. Oh, you know, I ordered something from Amazon. It's supposed to show up today. And it's already 7 o'clock at night. And the mailman's not coming anymore. And the UPS man ain't coming anymore. Where's my order? That's where we're at today, right? And we carry that over into our relationship with God. And we give up. We give up. But here's the thing. Prayer can be exhausting. Sometimes you've got to, this is why the old timers said things like this, pray it through. Pray it through. How many remember old timers saying that, church? We used to say that about praying it through. What does that mean? I'm going to pray until I sense that God has heard me. I'm going to keep going to him. See, that's the problem is, is the reason why we don't pray it through is we don't have any expectations of God doing anything. We don't have any expectations of God doing anything. Here's the next point. Look with me at verse 43. And he said to his servant, go now, look towards the sea. So he went and looked and he said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Here's what I want you to see. With the whole issue of being exhausting, here's the reality about faith. Here's the reality about trusting Jesus. Faith does not give up when there seems to be no response. It's amazing to me. He sent his servant seven times. You know what? We pray one time. God doesn't answer. Guess what we do? Look for plan B somewhere else. Maybe I've got an uncle. Maybe I've got a friend. Maybe the bank will help me. We give up. But see, that's not faith. Faith does not give up even when it seems like there's no answer. The fact of the matter is, I'm going to tell you this right now. God is never early. He's never late. He's always on time. Listen to me. God is never early. He's never late. He's always on time. And listen to me. He doesn't operate by your time schedule. He doesn't operate by your time schedule. But here's what we do. It doesn't happen when we want it to happen. So we give up. We give up. We, don't, we quit praying. We give up. But faith doesn't give up. Here's the next point. Confidence in faithfulness of God urges us forward in prayer. Even when there's no answer, I'm still going to be confident in him. I'm going to be trusting in him that he's going to give me an answer. may not be the answer I want, but he's going to give me an answer. So I'm going to keep praying. Listen, folks. We got to get over wanting it our way. Let me say that again. We got to get over wanting it our way. Did you understand what I'm saying? So many of us are like spoiled kids with God. If we don't get our way, we get upset with Him, we quit praying. But here's the thing I got to have a confidence in Him that He's going to answer me. May not be necessarily the answer I want, but I know that whatever His answer is, is going to be the best for me. That's confidence. So he keeps sending them. Go on, check out there. What's he doing? Why is he looking at the coastline? Well, if you look at, look at the map of Israel, 
their storms would come from the Mediterranean. They're not going to come from the west. Why? Because there's desert there. Would you expect a rainstorm to come from the desert? No. It's going to come from the ocean side. So he says, look to the coast seven times. Why? Because he's expecting God to do something. That's how confident Elijah was in prayer. Are you that confident? Stop for a moment. Some of you right now are in the midst of something. Might be a health issue, might be a financial issue, might be a relationship issue. You got something going on. And you're talking about God. Have you given up? Because he didn't answer you yet? Do, are you confident that he will do something? You've got to ask yourself those kind of questions. Those are the questions you need to be asking yourself. Here's the final thing I want you to see. God responds to persistent prayer. Look with me. Verse 44. Then he came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud. It's small, like a man's hand rising out of the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down now before the rain stops you. And it happened that in the meantime, the sky became black and the clouds and the wind, and there was a heavy rain. And so they rode away and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. God responded. You just got to keep after him. Listen, Jesus said, come to me like a little child. Now, mom, dad, some of you have little ones right now. Some of you, you had little ones, but they've gotten older, and, but yet they still do this when they're older. Dad, I need this. Dad, I need this. Next day, dad, I need... Same story, same record, over and over again. Dad, I need this. Dad, I need this. Dad, I, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You experienced that. You experienced that. They're 50 years old and you're experiencing it, right? Dad, I need this. And guess what you do? You get it for them. Why? Because they're persistent. He's, Jesus is saying, you need to be like a little child when you come to me. Be persistent. Listen to what Jesus said. Here's another parable. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Then he spoke a parable unto them and said, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. That's what he said. Here's the principle. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now here's the story he gives. Saying that there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God or regard men. Now there was a widow in the city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said to himself, I do not fear God or regard men, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. So this judge, he, he doesn't, he, he's just in it for himself. He says, I'll answer her because I'm sick of her nagging me. That's what he's saying here. But listen to what the point Jesus makes. He brings it back home to where you and I are at. Where I'm at, where you're at. Listen to what he says. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Listen, he's going to hear you. He's going to respond, even if he's patient with you right now. Even if he's patient, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Last thing I want you to focus on is what he just said. Where's your faith? That's really what the issue is, isn't it? 
The reason why there's no expectancy of us about God for anything is because we're not trusting him. We're lacking in faith. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.